So if you've got your Bibles, go to James chapter 4. We're going to continue in our study of James. Um, Have you guys noticed how angry people are? Have you noticed that just the people around you, maybe you yourself, you're angry. But have you noticed that there's people that are angry? I didn't know if I was the only one that's noticed that. But there's everywhere I go, I see that. And a couple of years ago, interesting, interesting story. A couple of years ago, I got invited to go preach in Utah at a church in Roosevelt, Utah. And got to spend the weekend. They, they, they flew my wife and I both out. We went out and spent all weekend in, in beautiful, the mountainous countries of Utah. I got to preach. We saw people saved. It was an incredible weekend watching God do what God does. And we, we leave that Sunday afternoon to drive back to the airport and to get on the airplane to head home. And we park our rental car and we check it in and we go to the counter to get our tickets and went through security, did all that stuff. And then we got to there and they said, um, your flight's been canceled. I was like, I'm sorry, what? My flight's been canceled? I, I mean, I got to be back at home. I got, I need to, it's been nice to be here, but I need to leave. I've got things I've got to do. Like, I've got to go. They said, well, here's the thing. We, we can't. We can't do anything else to get you a plane, so we're going to have to, we'll, we'll put you in a hotel for the evening. I said, okay, what's that going to cost me? They said, it's not going to cost you anything. It's gonna, we're doing it free of charge. We're going to put you in a hotel, and we'll drive you there in our, in our van that we have that shuttles back and forth between here and the hotel. I was like, okay, that's fine. So we get there, and I'm, I'm still perturbed that I'm not on an airplane going home. And so, but I, I'm saying, okay, we'll make the best of it. We'll have a fun evening. I was like, wait a minute, I don't have a car. How am I going to get around in, in Salt Lake City, Utah to go, where's, what's, what's for dinner? The lady said, well, we've got a restaurant in this hotel. So we walked downstairs and the food just smelled and looked horrible and it was way too expensive. So I said, no way. How in the world is this going to happen? Well, the lady behind the counter felt sorry for us and she said, hey, I've got some free Uber passes. And I was like, okay. So I download Uber on my phone and some guy in a Prius comes and picks me up and my wife and we got to go eat P.F. Chang's. I was like, awesome. We're going to go eat P.F. Chang's. I love P.F. Chang's. So we had that. And so it was a great evening. We got to see downtown Salt Lake City. So that was fun. We got back, went to the hotel, spent the night, woke up the next morning way super early because our flight left at six. Got right on the plane. Everything was good from Salt Lake City, flew and landed in Denver. Got to Denver, and once we got into Denver, there was another delay. There was another delay. It was two hours. And then they pushed it back another two hours. And then they pushed it back another hour. And then they pushed it back another hour. I was like, oh my goodness. And I... As I'm sitting in, I'm, I'm getting very frustrated because they keep pushing us back. And, you know, I grab my phone and I start to tweet the airline. Like, that's really smart to do. And so I start tweeting back and forth between the airline, telling them how worthless I think they are. That goes well. And my wife just looks at me and goes, sweetheart, I got a question for you. I said, what's up, babe? She goes, do you believe what you preach? What do you mean, baby? She's like... She's like, are you really gonna are you gonna be angry over something this silly? Do you really believe what you preach? And I was like, ouch. Okay, Holy Spirit, thank you. So I had to have this reality check. But it seems like everywhere we go, everyone's angry over something insanely silly. Like I want you to think about, like if you go to the grocery store, or you, God forbid, you have to go to Walmart. Like it's just a rough 
go. Everybody's angry about something. Everybody's got some sort of just agenda to grind and they're just angry. They're just and like, I don't know how y'all are here in Cedarvale with driving, but sometimes in Bartlesville or Tulsa, when we're driving, like there's some road rage that happens. Anybody in here ever have road rage happen? Okay. A couple of you, at least we're honest. Like nobody's lying in church. That's good. So, but like we see this stuff and it's happening on a regular basis and you say, why in the world are people so angry? Well, I can help you with that. Actually, James helps us with that. James chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you, you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. How do, you, how do you ask? To spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that a friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we're going to stop right there and we'll keep going here in just a minute. But I want to stop right there and I want us to just flesh this out because you see that the answer is there. You say, why are people so angry? Well, the text tells us why. Because we have this welling up inside of us that we have the right to certain things. We have certain rights. In fact, we live in America. We have the bill of rights, right? So we've got all these things we have. We feel and believe that we have certain rights. And when those rights get trampled on, we immediately blow up in anger. How do we know? Because the text tells us. Why do you, why do you quarrel? What causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You want what you want. You want what you want, and you want it right in this very moment. These are the passions that are at war within you. Go over, flip over, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 2, just a couple of books back. And I want you to see the first couple of verses in Ephesians 2. It says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin, in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked... Following the course of this present world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work within you, the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our bodies and our minds. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So like... There, in Ephesians, we see the same correlation. We see the same idea that we are at war. Our passions, our desire to be right, our desire to have our rights um, put up to the front are on display. And we, we don't get that. We blow up in anger. If you notice, if you notice in your friend group, in your family group, and the people that you hang out with, everyone is totally fine with everyone else as long as they feel and believe that they are not um, number two, number three, number four, number five, or pushed back to the back. They, they want to believe that they are prized and valued. 
They want to believe that they are special. And the moment that we feel like we've been wronged or our rights have been trampled on, we blow up and we get angry over certain things. Um, I, I've told this story a couple of times. I don't know if I've told it here, but a couple of summers ago, I was at a gas station. It was one of those Murphy's ones outside of a Walmart, and I was prepaying for my gas, and there was a long line. It was July. It was ridiculously hot. And as I'm standing in line, there's probably six of us deep. All of a sudden, this lady comes by bumping me and everyone else, and she comes by, and she slams her ticket down and like pushes the guy out of the way of the window, slams her ticket down and says, Hey, you shorted me on gas. I paid for $10. I only got 7 I need that fixed right now. I'm like, hey, there's not a line here, is there, sweetheart? It's totally fine. You can, you can wait, right? And just like she lost her mind on these people. And I got to thinking, would that have been the reverse? If she had paid for $10 and got $15, would she have run up there and slammed that ticket down and said, hey, I paid for $10 and you gave me $15. Would she have done that? No. She would have said, I'm getting in the truck and I'm driving out. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm going to stick it to Walmart. That's what she would have thought. But this is what we do when we feel like we've been shorted, when we feel like we've been trampled upon, our rights have been trampled upon. Here's what we do. We fight with each other. We desire and we do not have, so we murder. You say, wait a second, Caleb. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you're pushing it too far. I have never murdered anybody. Maybe not physically. But with your mouth, you may have murdered someone's character. You may have spread some... untruth about someone because you wanted to make yourself look better maybe you've done that you covet you you desire you want these things so you murder you covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and you quarrel we want these things and we want them right now we want to be served we want to like we're the we're the most important person on the planet that's what we believe how do we know because our actions let's go to a restaurant and sit down and see how our if our waiter gets our our gets our order wrong how do we act Right? Like we're sitting, we get, I order a steak and I got a hamburger. How's that going to go for, uh, wait, wait a minute, I'm paying for this. Like we lose our mind on the waiter. Maybe the waiter's just having a rough day. Maybe there's something that just went wrong and you need to, you need to calm down. How do we know? Because this is what James said in the beginning of the text. Remember we started in James 1? Verse 19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Like I want us to see this, that, that the, 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 the right or the, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When we bl- Here's the thing. Anger in and of itself is not sinful. But the things that you and I get angry over... The things that you and I get angry over, 99, I would say 98 to 99% of the things you and I get angry over are not going to matter and they are sinful. Now, there are certain things to be angry over. But I'm telling you, most of the stuff that you and I get angry over and we blow up in anger towards certain people and certain things, we blow our witness. We blow our credentials. We say, I belong to Christ. Let me show you. I belong to Jesus. Mm. Right? 
When we blow up in anger like this, a majority of the time, the things that we're angry over will not matter in 10,000 years. And when we blow up in anger, we blow our witness. And here's the thing. We've all done it. Your pastor's done it. I've, I've been at a restaurant and my order got wrong and I yelled at the cashier. Was that wrong? Absolutely it was wrong. I shouldn't have yelled. Like it, they, people make mistakes. Human beings. Anybody in the room ever made a mistake? I'm just checking. Okay, all of us in the room have made mistakes. Awesome. Good. So we've been, we've, we've messed up. We've all done it. But this is, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right that we do this. There is a pattern that emerges in our lives when we start to live in this lifestyle. We start to do certain things and we just get angry over certain things that don't matter. That, like, that do not matter. Now here's the thing. There are certain things to get angry over. I'll, I'll be the first. There are certain things to be angry over. Like the murder of the millions and millions and millions of babies in our country. That is something that the church should be incredibly angry over. Like... We're, we're, if, if we were in, like we, we, we always talk about the Jewish Holocaust and we're like, man, six million people died. And we're like, if I was there, I would have I stood up. Would we have? Because we've got almost, we're at over 50 million babies dead since Roe v. Wade. And we're quiet as a church. The church is so quiet on this topic. And we need to stand up and make some noise. There's a time and a place to be angry. There's a time and a place to get angry over things. But, the, but like I said, the majority of the stuff that you and I get angry over, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Mm. What we do is we need to... How do we, what do we need to do to overcome this? Because here's the thing. We, we've established this this morning. That there are, there's a sin issue in the world. There's an anger issue in most of our hearts. Most of our hearts, we're, we're quick to like fire off a response to someone. So what's our response? How do, we, how do we deal with this? Well, I'm glad you asked. James chapter 1 tells us, he tells us there in the text what to do. He tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So he says in verse 21, Therefore, put away all filthiness, all rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which is able to sanctify or save your souls. So we've got to immerse ourselves in God's word. We've got to spend time in God's word. We've got to, be, we've got to dive headlong into the text. We've got to study. We've got to be in the word. It has to happen. And here's the thing. Here's what we'll do is, okay, I'll read the Bible. That's it. That's what I'll do. I'll read the Bible and I'll make my life better because I'm going to read the Bible. That's great. I'm, going to, I'm glad that you're going to do that. But there's a part two to that. If you, if you immerse yourself in God's word, the second half is that is to submit yourself to what God shows you in the text. How do we know? Because the text tells us that in James 4 verse 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be rent, wrenched, and mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. So we've got this, we've got this formula laid out before us from God's Word. He tells us, okay, it's great that you read God's Word, but if you read God's Word and you don't do what God tells you to do, you're a hypocrite and you're wasting your time. 
If you read God's word and you don't do what God's called you to do, you're wasting your time. Don't do that. Here's what you do. Number one, you read God's word. You immerse yourself in that text. You pour over the text. You spend time. You preach the gospel to yourself daily. Preach your, the gospel to yourself daily. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel has power to transform. And I believe that. Do you believe that? Nobody believes that. Okay, I'm just double checking here. Do we believe that in the room? Okay, I just want to make sure we believe that before I keep going. Because I was going to switch messages right now and we're going to go angry. But there's a time to get there, there. I'll preach angry then. There's a time. I said there's a time to preach. We got we to get with this, guys. God's word says that there is, a, there is a power from the gospel. So we've got to preach that to ourselves. And then once we preach that to ourselves, we have to submit to what God lays before us. We have to submit to what God has in the text. Here's what a lot of people do. They say, well, I'm going to fight that old devil. I'm going to fight him. Uh, really? What are you going to use to fight him? Oh, I got this. Do you got this? No. God's got this and you need to lay your life at his feet and let him do the, like I've said throughout this entire message, let God do all the heavy lifting. Let God do all the work because he's the one, his work is all that matters. The work that he did on the cross was complete. The work that you and I attempt to do falls short every time. So we have, to, we have to lay our lives, we have to submit ourselves to what God shows us in the text. And we run away and we have to stay away and run away from sin. We don't play with sin. We run from it. So when we submit ourselves to God, then we can resist the devil and then the devil has no power. If you don't submit yourself to what God says and then you try to fight the devil, the devil is going to punch you in the mouth and laugh the whole time. The only way that the devil flees is when you have the power of the Holy Spirit radiating from your life. And the only way that happens is when you immerse yourself in God's word and submit yourself to God's authority. Period. And when that happens, then you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And you draw near to God and then he'll draw near to you. He'll draw near to you. So this, what's the next part of this? Constant repentance. Live in a state of confession. Live in a state of confession. Verse, it continues there in verse 8. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and let your joy to gloom. In Matthew chapter 5, it says, blessed are the, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who understand what it looks like to repent and live in a constant state of confession, that, that's, that's what a Christian's life should look like. We shouldn't, here's what a lot of Christians do, is we, we sin, 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 and then we'll come to church and then we confess like this, is, like this building is some sort of a holy place. Or we'll sin, 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 and we'll go to a conference or a retreat or a camp, and then we'll feel like this spiritual high, and that's where we'll repent. But we don't do it otherwise. We have to have some sort of a special event in order to pray and repent. Well, I don't know about if you know this, but you can repent in your own home. You don't have to have, there's no one you have to have. You have, this is the, the priesthood of the believer. You don't have to have anybody go before the Father before you. You've got that. 
You're, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You don't have, you give, that gives you the right and the authority to walk into the throne room of God because Jesus is in you. Because Christ is in you, you have the right to walk into the throne room of God and have a communication and a conversation with the Father. Why? Because Jesus has done all the heavy lifting on your behalf. Jesus has done all the work. So you repent and you confess and you don't have to do it in a special building. You could do it in your room. You could do it in your car. A Christian's life should look like a saw blade. If you, if you sin, you repent. You sin, you repent. The moment that you sin and the moment the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, that's the moment you should repent. You don't be like, man, I know I've sinned on, on Tuesday, but man, I can't do it till I get to church on Sunday. Hogwash. Hogwash. The moment you sin is the moment that you should repent. Our life should be, our confession life should be like breathing in and out, in and out, in and out. That's what it should look like. So we repent. And I really do believe it. It's just a good old dose of repentance would change a lot of our lives. If we laid our sins out seriously before the Lord and said, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. And guess what? He promises that he will. But I believe that. Next part of this is you place yourself in a community of believers where it's okay not to be okay, but we don't stay that way. Like, this is a safe place for people that are sinners because guess what? Every one of us in the room is a sinner. But here's the thing. We don't excuse sin. It's okay not to be okay, but we don't just stay in our sin and say, well, that's just who I am. I was born this way. No. You make war on your sin, as, as Paul said in Romans 7, I beat my body into submission. I, I submit to what God's put in front of me, and I fight, I make war on sin, because war is here. The, the enemy, the devil, Satan, is making war on you. He wants to take you out. I've told you guys this time and time again, that the enemy doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you. And... We need to be making war on sin. And the best way to do that is to place ourselves in a community where we come alongside one another and we encourage one another and we pray for one another. Brother Fox, come up here real quick. I'm going to use you for an illustration. <clears throat> I know that he'll just, I can just call on him and he'll just do it. Uh, so this is what we need to do as believers. You can come up here. So we don't... Um, what we do is, as, as believers, we come alongside one another, and if we struggle and we it's like fall, I can, oh, like, butt, like I can, I can hold oh, him up. Thank you. I can, I can put my arm around him. I can be like, you got this. But this is what we're called to do: is to hold one another up and to and to pray for one another, not to be like idiot. I can't. Like we're not supposed to like. Oh, he's down. Oh, look, he's down. Hold on. And just slap him. We don't do that. But if he's down, we come alongside and we pick him up oh, and we man. say. Brother, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? Got these this issues. Is, you got issues? You got these issues. I got sin issues too, brother. Man. So how can I pray for you? Man, let's do it. This is what it looks like. We come alongside. I can thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. This is what we're called to do in a community is we love one another and we come alongside one another. We don't excuse sin. We pray for one another and try to help one another get past our sin. We say... Let's focus on the, on, the, on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and I'll show you what Jesus can do throughout, throughout the scriptures and he will change your life. You place yourself in a community where men and women will encourage and engage you. We need to stop putting on airs like we got it all figured out. Because most of us in the room don't have it figured out. 
including me. But I know who, I go to the one who does have it figured out, amen? I go to the one who has everything figured out. His name is Jesus. He's got everything figured out. But we don't need to come into church and be like, you know, out in the, I, I've heard the comedian now that, that uh, does this little bit. And, he, you know, in the, in the car, the husband and wife are just, rah, 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 just fighting. You're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. And then they walk in the church building like, praise the Lord. So good to see everyone here this morning. Just, I'm blessed and highly favored. How's your wife? Oh, she's a sweetheart. Really? Yeah. How's that husband of yours? Oh my goodness, he is just a cherub. He is just all the my knight in shining armor. But if you'd been in the car ten minutes ago, you would have seen. Oh. Oh. You may have heard some language that isn't in this room. Maybe right? Because how many in the room have done it? I'm going to go and throw my hand up because your pastor, that's, we've walked those waters. That doesn't make it right though. This is where we have to make war on our sin. We have to say, okay, I'm not going to put on any, any more airs. Listen, I do mess up. I do sin. I do fall short. But by the grace of God, I get back up. I get back up. Mm. And the text tells us if you're willing to humble yourself, if you're willing to humble yourself before God, He will exalt you. How do we know? Because the text tells us. He says right here, he says, let your laughter be through. He goes, humble yourselves before the Lord and he, the Lord, will exalt you. Don't try to exalt yourself and figure out a way to get yourself up on the pedestal. You say, okay, God, I don't know what to do here. I'm going to humbly come before you and confess my brokenness, confess my sin, confess where I've fallen short and just say, God, I need you. We, we sing that song all the time. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Do we believe that? Do we believe it or do we just sing it? Because here's the thing. We need God more than we understand that we need God. He is our life-sustaining source. If He is not involved in our hearts and our lives, we're in trouble. You're not going to make this thing on your own. You're not going to be like, I'm a rock, I'm an island, I got this. No, you don't got this. But I do, I do know who does have it. And here's the beautiful thing is when he gets a hold of you, he, you're his. And you're safe and you're secure and you're in him. I'm telling you, you and I can overcome any sin, any battle, any temptation because God has already done the work but here's what has to happen there has to be a submission of your heart if you've got anger issues if you're bitter and you're angry and you're unforgiving John Gertzner he's a theologian from a a few years ago he is now in glory he said a person who claims that they are a Christian and will not forgive is not a Christian at all why because a Christian understands that they have been forgiven of much. An authentic, real, Bible-believing Christian understands who they are. They understand that they are wicked, they are depraved, and they, are in, 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 they deserve God's wrath. But because of God's mercy, they get favor and they get forgiveness. So I, as a result of myself receiving a lot of forgiveness, I'm going to extend a lot of forgiveness. Because I have been forgiven of much, I will forgive much. You say, well, Caleb, you don't know what people have done to me. I honestly, I'm going to try to say this in the most loving way I can. I don't care. Because you've done far worse to God. 
I've done far worse to God. And so my piddly little, oh, they hurt my feelings, is nothing to me spitting in the face of God. And he still loved me, still pursued me, still wooed me, still forgave me. But yet you're over there going, I can't forgive him. Nope, I'm not going to. How silly is that? That the God of the universe is willing to forgive you, but you won't forgive someone else over their, their, their silliness? Come on! Like, we're better than that. That's what God's called us to be, is above reproach. Ephesians chapter 5 says, be an imitator of God as beloved children. I told, Remember the example I used a couple of weeks ago about being an imitator of God? God's laid out the directive. It says, okay, forgive like I forgive. How do you forgive? Completely. And when, then when I do forgive, I don't bring it up six months later. The text says when he forgives, he, he no longer remembers it as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't get historical. I didn't say hysterical. I said historical. Sometimes some of us in the room, we get historical. We bring up stuff. We drudge up stuff from the past. Say, you know what? You, used to, you, you did this six months ago. Well, yeah, but remember we had that conversation. And I prayed with you and we asked for forgiveness. Yeah, I know, but I'm still angry over it. Well, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that. If you're still angry, you need to deal with it. If you're still bitter, you need to deal with it. You can overcome any sin. Because here's the beautiful thing about this. God has given you and I access to everything that we're ever going to need. How do we know? Romans chapter 5. I want you guys to see this. And then we'll be done. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So everything, like we've been justified. Like the big church you were justified is just a big word, just just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justification means. Justified means that in the sight of God, you are clean and you are pure and you are right because of what God did on your behalf. So therefore, you've been justified by faith. We have, been, we have, have peace with God. Why is it such a big deal to have peace with God? Because the text tells us later down here in like verse 10 that we are, at one time we were enemies of God. Think about being an enemy of God. Like what does that look like? That's... I don't want that. (laughs) I don't want to be an enemy of God. Here's what God does. He makes us from an enemy to a friend. So therefore, we're justified in his sight. Through him, we have also obtained access. You have access to everything you could ever want. Everything you could ever need. You say, Caleb, I can't forgive people. Here's how you pray. God, I can't do this. But I know that you can do this through me. I can't forgive this person on my own. But I know, God, that you can forgive this person through me completely. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would forgive this person completely through me. And God, I pray that you would give me the strength to extend forgiveness and mercy to someone that maybe doesn't deserve grace and mercy. Because guess what? I didn't deserve grace and mercy either. But you gave it to me anyway. So because you gave it to me, I want to give it away like you've given it to me. Freely and unbegrudgingly. I don't want to be like, mm, I don't want that. Just that pouty, unbegrudging feeling. I want to 
Give mercy, give forgiveness like God gave it to me. I'm telling you, and I promise you this, that you and I can overcome our sins through the power and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He's given you access to it. He's given you access to be able to live in this life. He's given you the power to be able to do whatever you need to do in order to make it into what he's called it to be. You, through Jesus Christ, in your life, radiating out of your heart, out of your life, can do all things that he's called you to do. Is there anything too hard for God? That's a question. Is there anything too hard for God? No. So if God can do it, if God can do it, let him do it. And just rest in his finished work. Yeah. So... As we end this this morning, I just, I just want to ask you this. Is if, if there's anyone in the room and you're like, man, I, I've just, I've been angry. I've just held on to this anger. I've held on to this bitterness for years. And I've been angry at a spouse or an ex-spouse. Or I've been mad at somebody at a church. I've been angry. And here's what I want to try to challenge you with this morning. Is if you've got anger in your heart towards someone, I would just plead with you to make it right. Seek someone out that needs to be forgiven. And say, listen, I forgive you for what you did. Or maybe you need to ask someone to forgive you. I would not be ashamed. I would not be upset with you if you got on your, got on your phone right now and started texting somebody. Or if you need to step out and make a phone call. I would challenge you just to be like, alright, I'm going to go do that. Because if, if you're not right with your fellow man, you can't be right with God. In the Lord's Prayer, He tells us that. He goes, Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. So if you, are, if you have something against your brother, you have something against your sister, but you're trying to worship God, you're wasting your time. Your prayer only hits the ceiling. That's as far as it goes. If you want to bend the ear of God, here's what you've got to make sure. You've got to make sure you're right with your fellow human beings. And that takes some time sometimes. And it takes, but you make the effort. If you make the effort to, to find forgiveness... God promises that he will work in your life and he'll forgive you your trespasses. How beautiful and amazing does that make our God? That he is willing to forgive people who don't deserve it. So if you've got anger this morning over things that aren't biblical, I would, I would strongly, strongly ask that you would ask God to forgive you and he will. He promises he will. Thank you so much for listening to our resources. If you'd like to find out more about First Baptist Church of Cedarvale, go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist.